What does it mean when someone you run into asks you if you have faith? Is it simply a question as to whether or not you believe in a God? Are they trying to find out if you are maybe religious or if specifically you're a Christian? Or do they want to know perhaps if you believe in something that can be miraculous or something that can even be supernatural in your life? And what does it really mean when we as members of the church and followers of Jesus say to someone we meet that we are working hard to be people of faith? Well, my dear sweet mother, for one, is a person who knows how to talk about and use the word faith because she uses it a lot. In fact, she tends to bring it up at least once or twice each time we talk on the phone during the week. There is certainly a guarantee that if I tell her about anything that I find struggling in my life, she will almost immediately address it quickly by telling me, oh, Donovan, you just need to have a little faith and everything will be all right and work itself out. And I have to say, usually when she tells me that, it makes pretty good sense and it works well. Like when I have been worried about someone here in the church or someone in my family who is sick or when I am stressing over something I know is going to be particularly challenging in my life or in my work. In almost every one of those cases, reminding me to just have a little bit of faith instantly reconnects me to God's presence in my life and God's omnipotence in this world. But that's not always where her wise admonishments on faith wind up all the time. There have been those other moments when we were just trying to find a parking space in a parking lot or when we need to get a table at the last minute at a busy restaurant, or my favorite, when my stepfather each and every Christmas buys the entire family a set of scratch-off lottery tickets, and my daughters each want to be the ones to finally win $50,000 that year. In each and every one of these type of cases, my mother tells us the same thing. Just have to have a little faith in God and it'll all get sorted out. Of course, the problem with this is just having a little bit of faith when it comes to parking lots and lottery tickets seems to get us as Christians a little too close to those old rabbit foots that we used to buy for a quarter at the, at the shops that we could put on a keychain or a lucky horseshoe that you might hang up over the entryway to your home. This morning, I'm not really trying to throw my sweet mother under the bus with her understanding of faith. I'm actually using her <clears throat> well-intentioned advice as an example of what I believe all of us struggle with when we throw out that important word of faith. Faith is, of course, a central part of our Bible and Scripture readings. It is a part of our prayer book. It is just about everything else in our religious beliefs and teachings in the church. And yet, understanding what having faith really can mean seems to only get more and more difficult as we move into the 21st century. In fact, the great Lutheran theologian and philosopher of the last century, Paul Tillich, once proclaimed that the word faith is the most misunderstood word today in the entire religious vocabulary. So what does really having faith actually mean? Is it simply the same as saying that we have belief? 
And by believing in God and Jesus and counting on God to help us through life's trials and tribulations, then why can't we believe that that same God can also help us to achieve what we want and desire in our own personal everyday lives? Well, even if that struggle with faith's meaning is challenging to us today, this isn't the only time it's been like that. In fact, in this morning's gospel reading we just heard from the 17th chapter of Luke, it is God's own disciples, Jesus' own disciples, who are asking him about faith. And not only do they want to understand it better, they also want to know how they can have more of it. The disciples this morning asked the Lord directly to help them learn how to increase our faith. And I would suspect that when they asked that question, like you and me, they're all hoping that Jesus might pull out his chalkboard or open up a PowerPoint presentation and give them a 10-point list of various ways to understand faith and put it into use. But it really should not surprise us that as, as usual, Jesus doesn't really do it that way. Instead, Jesus simply makes things more confusing by giving them a one-sentence answer. Jesus says, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And that's it. So what in the world could Jesus mean by saying this? Well, as confusing as Jesus' one-sentence explanation was to the disciples and possibly to you and me today, over time the church and its doctors and theologians have slowly sorted out exactly what sort of mustard seed example Jesus is using in this parabolic statement in Luke's gospel. What the church feels Jesus is trying to describe here is that rather than faith being simply about having belief or faith being about having positive thoughts that can help us achieve things for ourselves, the real truth about faith that we are called to build up in our lives is that faith is really about trust and specifically about total trust in God and God alone. One of my favorite theologians and evangelists today is Bishop Robert Barron. He's a Roman Catholic bishop of the Diocese of Winona in Rochester and the Catholic Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis in Minnesota. Bishop Barron, I think, goes a long way in giving us a good solid definition of what faith is for our time that captures its truth and its meaning perfectly. Bishop Barron writes, faith is an attitude of trust in the presence of God. It is an openness, he continues, to what God will reveal, what God will do, and what God will invite each of us to become. Now, I think what this means for us is that faith is our Christian action of placing our full trust in God and God's plan for all of creation and making that the center of all we do. And as Jesus seems to be saying this morning, if we just have even the tiniest bit of that true faith in God, then we can see the world begin to be reshaped and restructured for our good. To have this kind of faith certainly brings comfort and hope for us in our toughest and hardest of times in life. My mom's always right on that one. 
But at the same time, this kind of faith actually looks the opposite of helping us find parking spots by erasing the deep concern for the much smaller struggles that we all face in our life from day to day. Struggles like frustration and stress over money and material things that we need to keep up with others in our lives. Because if we can just have trust in God, then we can begin to find that we no longer need to be in this competition with our neighbor, nor do we need to fight constantly to better ourselves alone and get just a little bit higher up in the world. This kind of faith is about surrender, surrendering to God and God's plan for the world above all else, learning how to act accordingly to this truth, And what makes it incredibly rewarding is the grace and the real freedom that I believe faith in God and Jesus Christ gives to each of us. It's the kind of freedom to release ourselves from the stress and struggle to succeed in this life, which in our culture is implanted from the moment of our birth. It is our way to really learn how to, as the old bumper sticker says, let go and let God. Friends, this kind of faith and trust is where Christian discipleship is meant to be leading each of us, leading us step by step, leading us towards the freeing love of God and God's plan for restoring creation, guiding us back to that wonderful garden we read about in the book of Genesis, where we have been created in God's very own image and in which creation is called good. That is the freedom of our true selves, loosened from the masks and the images this world forces each of us to put on and to struggle in sin and disappointment in order to maintain. And yes, brothers and sisters, even a drop of this kind of faith when it enters us can begin to have the ability to reshape our world and reshape each of us. This evening, I'm reminded that we'll be gathering here in the back of the church again to honor and bless all the wonderful animals and pets that God has given us. And we do this always in honor of that one saint whose feast day falls on October the 4th every year, St. Francis of Assisi. Way back in the beginning of the 13th century, Francis had a true encounter with Jesus, and he didn't run across Jesus in some big fancy place. Francis ran across him in the church of San Damiano, which was falling apart just outside in the country around his home city of Assisi. Francis in that church heard Jesus say to him, Francis, Francis, go and repair my church, which is falling into ruin. And Francis made his decision that that was what God's plan was, that plan that was above his own plan, and that's what he wanted to make and shape his life around in following Jesus. That leap of faith certainly changed Francis of Assisi. But brothers and sisters, all we have to do is look out at the world, look out at the front of our church to see what St. Francis continues to do not just in the medieval period of the Roman Catholic Empire in Europe, but also all over the face of the world where St. Francis still stands as a prime example of Jesus' call for us to serve our community, serve the poor, and change the world. And it all started with a tiny mustard seed of faith in the heart of a very wealthy nobleman's son who realized there was more to life than just himself and his own wants and needs. 
And friends, if you're like me, you probably feel that St. Francis is a little too high up the religious ladder for you this morning to attain in your very busy, struggling life. And I certainly agree and understand that. Not many of us can be a St. Francis of Assisi or St. Teresa of Lisieux or Mother Teresa of Calcutta. But the good news this morning, brothers and sisters, is that Jesus doesn't tell his disciples that they need to be a great cedar tree of faith. Like Luke's gospel this morning, Jesus simply pushes them to begin their faith as something small, a tiny mustard seed. Jesus has already said earlier in the gospels that a mustard seed is the tiniest of seeds, but it can become the greatest of shrubs. And I love when Jesus says shrubs because even Jesus doesn't go to the big cedar tree. He starts with something that grows and spreads basically like a weed when we just let a little bit of it get into good soil and take root. That's what Jesus wants to happen with our faith. Jesus wants us to begin with just the tiniest drop of sincere trust and the tiniest bit of surrender to God through faith. And Jesus promises that even the tiniest drop of this kind of faith already has the potential to take root and spread in us, spread in our lives, spread in our family, and spread in anything we come in contact with. Trust in God. This is what our faith is really all about. So friends, next time someone asks you or encourages you to have a little faith, the right thing to do is to ask yourself first, what does God want me to do in this situation? And then trust God enough and surrender to God to put your faith into action. Amen.